Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Good day. Welcome. This is the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Hope you are well. This is episode 90. Look at that. Episode 90 of this show. And today my guest is mathematician Lily Cerner. You can find her on Twitter at Cerner Lily, S-E-R-N-A-L-A-L-Y. She's lovely. We're going to talk to her in a moment. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We will magically put an episode in your phone every week. You don't have to do anything except listen to it. While you're out subscribing um, to podcasts, please do me a favor this week. Subscribe to Movember Radio. Uh, find it wherever good podcasts are heard. iTunes, Pod Filter, Pod, whatever you want. Pod Jelly, Jelly Pod. However you listen to your podcasts, that's where you can find us. It's a new show uh, that I've been working on for a long time now with the guys at Movember, and I'm very, very, very proud of it. Uh, incredible, incredible work uh, that's been gone into it uh, from everyone involved. It's a big production, and I, I couldn't be more proud of it. So please have a listen to Movember Radio and do us a favor this week of write and comment on it. If you do like this show, you can always email me, send Osher email at gmail.com. You can simply just reply to the mailing list mail out that... Uh, I send every week, just subscribe at oshiginsberg.com. And if there's one thing I'd ask you this week, it's just tell a friend about this show, just tag someone or pop it in a Facebook post, or just let someone know that, you know, this show exists. That'd do me the biggest favor. Favor. I hope you're well this week. Everyone was sick except me this week. So here at my house, um, the girls are real and they're just coughing up all kinds of interesting things. Um, but I hope your place is, is good. I went to a, I went to a funeral this week in Toowoomba, which happens, uh, Interesting. If you've never been to Toowoomba, it's uh, kind of out on the other end of Brisbane, western side of Brisbane, up in the on the Great Dividing Range. It's kind of the gateway to the the pastoral country um, in in Queensland. Lots of blokes wearing low slung RM Williams white RM Williams chinos and three button navy blazers, and you know the, the kind of men pastoralists who had you know flown their own single engine plane from their airstrip on their property out to Toowoomba for the for the funeral it was a it was a big funeral um and it was attended by some you know some you know guys oh, I just I'll run about 15,000 head you know that kind of thing um but it was really nice it was really really lovely and it was a lot of bush poetry at the funeral which was you know it's always quite moving um it was very sad as funerals tend to be but it was also very lovely um 
It was also very lovely because funerals should be a celebration, in my opinion. Funerals should be a celebration. They're sad. That's true. They're sad. But in my view, it should be a celebration because, you know, we celebrate the birth of a life. We're always so happy when someone has a kid or, you know, when a new person is born. We are very, very thrilled. But we tend to conveniently forget that there's another end to that. As Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips famously said, everyone you know someday will die. So when they do die, and it'll happen to you, it'll happen to me, it'll happen to everyone that both you and I love, we will all die. Um, in my opinion, it's okay to celebrate their life. You know, it's sad, and the sadness comes, but the sadness comes in waves, the waves of an outgoing tide. Yeah, there's waves, and then they just get less and less and less, and eventually they dissipate. And yeah, you look back with a bit of sadness, but it kind of balances out. If that sadness doesn't dissipate, after a little while, you may want to go and check that out because it's supposed to go away as far as I'm concerned. You're not supposed to mourn and be down in the dumps forever, ever. Um, we do have to move on because that's what life does. Life does go on. Uh, we must allow it to do so because that's the nature of life. Everything changes. This got a bit deep very quickly. Crikey. Let's get to my guest. So my guest this week, I'm super stoked to have on the show because I'm a big fan of hers. Lily Cerner is her name. She's a mathematician. She's an incredibly smart lady. Uh, she also happens to be a very pretty lady, but she's a very, very, very smart lady. She shot to fame in Australia as a host of a TV game show called Letters and Numbers, where every night on the telly, she would solve impossibly difficult mathematics problems in front of a live studio audience. Um, she's very smart. She's very lovely. She's very funny. And she's an immigrant to Australia. She grew up in Ramallah. Now, you hear me get my geography wrong in this show. Ramallah is north of Jerusalem. It's not East Jerusalem. It's north of Jerusalem. It's, cartography is very important in that part of the world. Uh, but Ramallah, if you don't know, Ramallah is a, certainly a very difficult part of the world. That's the smallest way I could describe it. And today she talks about what it was like to come to Australia from that faraway place and her experiences as an immigrant to this country. But she and I also discuss maths, the teaching of maths, and seeing the complexity of maths in the universe around us. It's a great conversation. I'm glad you can be a part of it. Follow her on Twitter. Let her know you heard her here. Serna Lily, S-E-R-N-A-L-I-L-Y. So um, come with me to my kitchen in Bronte for a cup of tea and a chat with the lovely, the charming, very smart, Lily Cerner. So anyway, we're recording now. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for doing this. No, pleasure. We're in the uh, we're in the Channel Ten building in in Piermont, um, which is in a southwest. I don't know where I am. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. That. Well, that's that's, anyway. that's where we are because um, uh, you uh, work far away. And I live on the other side of the town and this is a midpoint. So that's yes. nice. Yep. That's nice. Where have you come from today? Um, actually, I've come from this suburb. <laughs> I, I'm working at Fairfax at the moment just down the road. So. Um, All right. What are you yeah. doing there? Uh, it's called data science. Um, I guess it's a new, newish industry. Uh, basically looking at all of the data that all of the companies that have available and mm -hmm. trying to make sense of it. What? So like tracking... So obviously they generate enormous amounts of data from their online um, portals who's reading what, when, how far they stay on the page, how far down they read, la, 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 and you're there to make sense of that. Yeah, I guess um, 
there is so much data, terabytes and terabytes of data and just trying to, I guess, create a better product. So, Right. Yeah. Interesting. Like that job wouldn't have existed five years ago. I know. It's, it's all moving so fast. At all. Yeah. Good news for me as a mathematician. Well, yeah. And we'll <laughs> talk about that because, I, yeah, we'll get onto that. Anyway, um, do you like working there? I do. It's actually, I've been there a month. So, hey! yeah. And it's, it, I ha, I've never worked for a bigger company before. So the last company I worked for was, I think, 10 people. So Right. In, well, it's one, of the, it's one of the big ones. And they, I think they take very seriously the, the weight that their opinion holds across the, the public. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a major responsibility. Yeah. Unlike some publishing houses, which I won't mention, <laughs> who know that they have an, an influence upon the public and just bandy it about willy-nilly like a kid with a super soaker at a barbecue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but here, look, we have, I like to always, you know, kind of start with this one because it's, I like to point out how often the people that I sit down and talk with um, have this in common with me and that we're both immigrants. Yes. And I think it's super important that as Australians, we recognise that our country is great because of the people that, that came here. Yeah. Our country is also shitty for the people that were here. <laughs> Let's acknowledge that. Um, how old were you when you came over? I was eight years old. Yeah, I grew up in Jerusalem. Spent the first eight years of my life there and then my parents uh, immigrated over to Australia. Why did they want to leave? Education. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I think education is freedom and education is the answer to pretty much all of society's problems. So uh, it's, it's very important and it's been drilled into me since I was a kid. And they couldn't find what they wanted for you there? Look, Australia has world-class quality education. So, yeah, yeah I think um, so many opportunities as well. Besides schooling, like extra extracurricular activities and uh -huh. uh, like becoming a, a better rounded, well-rounded person. So because you left at eight, does that mean you had to go back and do military service or not? No. Well, I'm Palestinian actually. So hey! Yeah. 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 So um, I didn't have to do. Uh, so you're from East Jerusalem? Well, I actually grew up in Ramallah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was born in Jerusalem, but I grew up in Ramallah. Awesome. Yeah. That's a bright. Now I understand. Yeah. Got it. Heavy duty. So we um, were Christian Palestinian. Yeah. Although I'm. I mean, my family is, but I, I'm I'm probably not so Christian. Yeah. Atheist, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah. Don't worry, because uh, I, I, I do want to yeah, get to I, that. I know. I know. It's a. It's a uh, no, we'll get to it. Yeah. We'll get to it. Um, so, but what do you remember about living in Ramallah? How? What year was it that you left? Uh, 1994. Second Intifada. Yeah. Would have been. Yeah, I um, I remember. For a week, there was a, a war. I mean, I was so young. And as a kid, you're just so malleable, you know, like your surroundings is the norm. There's nothing. So and, and childhoods, you know, are usually happy. I had good family, good friends. There was no, nothing, you know, unusual for me. Yeah. We did. I do remember having to wear gas masks and being taped into our parents' bedroom and um, tanks going past and but as it, like it's crazy to think now, but as a kid, that's just it's just part of life. Was the gas masks during the first Gulf War? You know, I don't even know. I it's just kind my of my ex-wife talks about that. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's deep down in my memory. I, I don't think that there was actually any I don't like gas. I think it was just a precautionary thing. Uh, Saddam was threatening. Yeah, it's like yeah, if yeah, you that's it. if you attack 
America if you attack me, mm. I'm aiming, I'm shooting at Israel. And he did. He aimed scuds at Israel. And yeah. Unfortunately, Ramallah, I mean, that's the thing that folks, I mean, we just talked about it with the Maz Compton episode a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, when people think Israel, Palestine from Australia, they may think, oh, like New South Wales and Queensland, right? Like, no, it's like across the street. Yes. And that house is Arab, that house is Jewish, that house is Christian, that house is yes. Muslim. Like, it's not this area over here. It's so everyone it's together. Jam-packed, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I got told a story about during the peace process in 92. Yeah. Um, I'm mates with the guy. He was, at, he was the youngest person at the table during Camp David Accords when mm. they were doing that uh, with Arafat at the table and Clinton. Clinton was he knew East Jerusalem street by street. Wow. So he'd say, hey, Giddy, what if we go left here and right? Like he knew the geography. Yeah. And he was there with his tiny little pencils. Um, you know, he knew it street by street. And he, Clinton also knew which way the water fell. Wow. Which is, you know, that's, that's the other thing that folks may not realise is, you know, the, the issue of the water and where's the well and yes. people on this side of the street can't access the other side of the street to get, to get water. It's, it's very, yeah. Right. Very complex. So what was it like when you came here? Um, you know what? <laughs> my first memory was um, my parents telling me that we we're going to move to Australia and the house, which was the townhouse that we were going to move into, had a pool. And I'd, I'd only ever experienced going into a pool, I think maybe twice or three times in my life. And it was when we went on holidays. And it was just the greatest thing I've ever heard of, like a pool in your own house. It was amazing. So... Um, that's pretty much the first thing that we, we did. I think we arrived in December, so it was quite hot and all yeah. I wanted to do was go in the pool. But not Middle East hot. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, quite different. You came to Sydney first? Yeah, yeah, I came Right, to so you've been here the whole time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So did your folks have a hard time getting visas? How did, because uh, your folks are educated, so that... Yeah, well, they, I mean, my, my parents studied and got their degrees in England and then my dad went over to the US and started his PhD. He got a scholarship there, but I don't think he ended up finishing his PhD. So yeah, they I think at that time they didn't they didn't have too much trouble. Right. But I can't I I don't I don't know. I was quite sheltered from it to be honest. That's probably all right. Yeah it's for good. them to do that. It's it's I've got good parents. Well it would have been it would have been obviously tough for them to to not, I guess, externally vocalize the difficulties they were going through when clearly the educational options for their kids are limited hmm. um, by the political situation where they're growing up. So clearly they want to yeah. have to up and leave this land that they love and they're yeah. tied to yeah. and they're making that sacrifice to be away from their family, their friends, their community, which is so strong over there, yeah. so strong. It is. People in Australia don't know their neighbours' names. <laughs> but there, I mean, it's, and God, the food. They're leaving the oh, food behind. The food, Let's, yeah, that's the, I think that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> the food is amazing. <laughs> Like, again, we were talking about this because Ash, uh, London, she's from Lebanon. Yes. And we were talking about what it is to wait outside the hummus place and then eat it when it's still warm, warm from the yeah. pot. Yeah. I did listen to that episode and I'm like, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. so good. And look, as someone who doesn't eat meat, the Middle East is great because they're yeah. all about food separation. Absolutely. All, no, no way. This, this hasn't been cooked with anything that touched milk. You're totally fine, bro. You go for it. <laughs> like, yeah, you're in heaven. Just eat everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, 
So how early in your life? Your folks, they're like, like you said, they're, they're both educated. What do they do? So my dad uh, is a computer engineer by, I guess, by trade. And, and mum is a project manager now, an IT project manager, but she started off doing some kind of computing and, and some maths. I should know this, shouldn't I? No, it's fine. So, but how well, so how early in your life did you realize that you thought about maths differently from other people? Probably when I was at university, to be honest. Like, because really? as as I said, when you're a kid, your reality is your your norm. So, I I was always encouraged to think about maths and numbers, but not in a, you know, do your homework, kid. You know, you have to do your exercises. My dad and I would would sit down and. He, we just talk about ideas um, that are founded in maths, but never once did we get out a pen and paper or maybe just to draw a little bit. It's not, it's not about numbers and it's not about um, solving equations. It's, it's a, a way of thinking, I guess, breaking down things in a systematic and logical way. Can you remember one of those conversations? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I can. Um, I, I have so many, so many different memories. I remember this one time... Uh, I think it was in either year seven or year eight. It was just before we learned calculus. And he's like, right, Lily, let's go outside. We we went outside. We sat by the pool. We've got this big fig tree that hangs over the pool. Um, so Middle East. <laughs> so Middle East. So the and, Italians with, yeah, the, with yeah. the stone fruit <laughs> and the Middle Easterns with the figs yeah. and the olives. Yeah. And uh, and then he said to me, um, right, so you, you've learned to calculate areas of regular shapes like squares and rectangles. So hang on, I'm just going back to my primary school geometry. Yes. So this is where you, so this was, there's a, we're sitting in a television station, so there's a flat screen TV bolted to the wall. Yeah. This is where, I can't remember what you do, but you take this measurement here. Yes. And that measurement there, the yes. length and width of it. And yes. then something happens with those two numbers and it tells yes. you the square meters of the thing. Absolutely, yeah. Right. So you, you, yes. mul- you multiply it. That's probably the only missing ingredient. In there that. it is. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's exactly that. Um, so he said, okay, so you've learned to do that kind of thing. Um, what if I told you that I want to calculate the area of an ir- irregular shape, say like a, a rectangle, but with one side really wiggly. So um, he got me to really think about it and we kind of workshopped it. And I said, oh, you know, what if we just approximate it by a rectangle that kind of followed the curve, but didn't, that's the only way that I could do it, that I could think to do it. And he said, that's really good. Um, how would you make that approximation more accurate? And he got me to think about it and we workshopped it together um, and then we, we concluded together that if you use the sum of two smaller rectangles that followed the curve more closely, that, uh, that would make the, a calculation more accurate. And so the, more, the smaller the sum of the rectangles, the closer and closer that you're going to get to calculating the area of that irregular shape. The smaller the the sum of the smaller rectangles. So, so if you divide that shape into two, also like we're doing three D, uh, say like we're doing three D modeling. It's like the polygons. If we get more polygons, it's more. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah. So the more rectangles we can shove into that irregular shape. Yes. That we know the exact size of. Yes. The closer we can get to the actual. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't even know it, but that's the, that's the the theory of calculus that's the beginning of calculus and I I up until that point I thought that I you know I thought this up on my own and I I'm so clever that's how my dad made me feel he made me feel very clever yeah and then uh, I think it was probably six months later that we formally learned it at school that I realized that I wasn't 
in fact, the first person to work this out and that people have been thinking about this for centuries and particularly this one guy called Archimedes who's considered to be one of the greatest mathematicians of all time. So, Mm. um, but because of that narrative way of, of teaching me these stories, I think this is why I kind of started to gain an affiliation uh, and, and a real kind of admiration for maths. Because, I mean, when I knew I was going to talk to you today, it just started to bring up very difficult memories <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, in that I, I was just so befuddled by the numbers. Yeah. That I remember looking at when we started doing grade 11 algebra, when we started doing that, I really should have done veggie maths. Like, I can't believe I did maths one. I should have done veggie maths and I would have had a much easier time at high yeah. school. Um, but it just, I couldn't get the concept of the, of, of the numbers and the, what is they used to make us do? Differentiating quadratic equations. Oh, yeah. Why do I, at 16, who mm. knows I want to be a musician and knows I want to have a life in entertainment, knows that that's my, that's clearly what I want to do. Why do I need to be taught how to differentiate a quadratic equation as a kid? Because, well, let me, I've got so many opinions on this. It's not funny. First of all. We have it, a lot of time on this recording. Yeah, oh, good. Um, First of all, uh, I just wanted to say that it's not, I don't think that it's your fault that you didn't understand it. It's, to me, that's the way that it was taught to you. It's, I think it's, the onus is on the teacher to make sure that the student understands. You're a very intelligent person. I have no doubt that you'd be able to understand it. That's what frustrated me the most, I think. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started working at the school in Amsterdam, because my whole life I thought, oh, I guess I, because I didn't get into university, I guess I'm not really that smart. Yeah. And then I was, I'm going toe to toe with a, a PhD in business man, business uh, business systems analyst. Yes. A- analysis for Airbus, <laughs> and I'm going toe to toe with him at a whiteboard. I'm like, well, hang on, maybe I might be smart. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's one of I speak to so many kids and parents about maths, and this is anecdotally, this is what I've noticed is that it's the t- it's often you know, if you don't have a teacher maybe that's really passionate or it, you kind of you lose start to lose interest and it starts to snowball after that. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. I remember just seeing, looking at the blackboard and just seeing numbers swirling around, like John Nash, rest in peace, um, but just swirling around and just I couldn't, I just, it was gibberish. Yeah. I couldn't get it. Yeah. And it really frustrated me. Yeah. And it made me more mad that I could. And so why do we need to learn this? Because it's on the test. Oh. Shut up, Ginsburg. Yeah, um, and, and and I should say that it's not it's not really the teacher's fault as well because we've got a deficit of maths teachers. And so if you get someone who's really passionate about geography and um, if you have a de- deficit of maths teachers and you put them into a subject that they're not passionate about, then they can't transfer that passion. So I, I'm definitely not saying that it's it's the teacher's fault. I think there's there's a a bigger problem that needs to be addressed. He's, he's working. He was working to a curriculum. He was working yeah. to something that he was. You know, someone, the state, yes, had decided yeah. if they could pass this, then they're classified that they get yeah. a stamp. But in regards to why you need to learn this, yeah. uh, it's it's not about the numbers. It's about training the mind to think in a particular way, to think in yeah. a systematic and logical way. And you as a musician, is, I think, is very important to... I was actually having this conversation with a concert pianist last night Every time I say penis, I'm so scared that I'm. I gonna, know, right? Yeah, yeah. It I'm really like, is. I'm like, don't say it, Lily. Yeah, don't yeah. say it. You can say, uh, no, no, it's fine. 
part of, yeah, yeah. You hit the T. You've got to write out the yeah, T yeah. real hard. Pianist. Can I just say piano player? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't sound as highfalutin. No, I He's know. He's not a concert piano player. Piano yeah. players work in bars. Yeah, that's true. Concert pianists work in concert halls. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. But that's all numbers. Maths is, I mean, music's just numbers. Yeah. And, it's all numbers. And patterns. Mm. And to be able to recognize patterns, you have to train your mind to think in a particular way. And, and this is where maths comes into it. So will you ever use a differential equation again? Probably not. Will you use the the toolkit that uh, learning how to solve a quadra- quadratic equation or differential equation? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't remember learning how to solve it. I just remember the steps I had to do to make it work. I yeah. didn't, it wasn't like I know how to figure out a tough problem. Yes. However, speaking of music, I remember, I remember being so completely fascinated with the harmonics on my guitar yeah. lining up with certain number sequences, uh, not Fibonacci, there was another one, just where the harmonics happen. On the, yeah. yeah, yeah, where the yeah. harmonics happen and where the nodal harmonics happen and that it's the same uh, uh it's a parallel in another part of nature. And I just yes. went, wait, hang on a second. Yeah. Hang on a second. This is all, you know. It's and that and that the 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 A and octave higher is exactly double the kilohertz. And and once the once you start getting into the maths of, of that and, and plus then we then we start getting into sound pressure levels. Yeah. Um when you start getting into um uh the the decibels um halving every so many meters you go back. Yes. Um and then when you get into then when later as I got into photography getting into things like the inverse square law where the, the light strength, um, again, goes down half a stop every. When I see maths like that, like yes. if that could have been brought to me yes. as a kid, I think I would have kind of got into it a bit more. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. see it everywhere. Yeah, I get that. And, and I think um, it's, it's so important to have a narrative behind what you learn. Yeah. So. Learning learning a formula or an equation doesn't interest me in the slightest. Having that narrative and the, and also the history behind it and the people who had put so much effort to learn this and had, you know, it's it's all it's a it's a process of learning this throughout history, throughout human history. So it's mm. not it's not that one one day someone figured out that, you know, the the ratio there is a half or that the ratio there is a third. It it's um it's science and it's trial and error sometimes and it's a long process to get there, and I love that narrative. Mm. Does it make you, as I just described, that seeing certain patterns in music be replicated in other mm. mediums, not audio, audio, but physical? Do you see the world differently because of what I, you do? I, I think I'm pretty normal in in my eyes, but I don't, I don't know. I guess. Do you look at the branches of a tree and and you know try and? Notice the patterns and branches of tree and yeah, I, I'm quite aware of patterns actually. Um, not an maybe, obsessive compulsive no, no, disorder, no, no. not like me, but like yeah. <laughs> actually like mathematical patterns. Well, no. yeah, I, like I'm, I think I think I'm just quite interested with the world around me, and I, I do look at a tree, say, and um, it does remind me of the Fibonacci sequence where things branch off it's like the 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 sequence of nature you Mm. mentioned it before um as i don't i'm not sure whether 
I think differently to other people. Maybe mm. maybe it's because I spent more time thinking about this kind of thing that it's brought to my attention. But mm. it's hard to say because you don't really know what other people think. I guess, you know, how would I well, – let me put this to you. In the same way that, say, for example – after you go skiing for the first time and you come back from the snow, yeah. you look at a hill and go, oh, funny that was covered in snow. <laughs> but you'd never noticed that hill before. Yes. And suddenly you go, oh, right, yeah. Or as a Scrabble player, I will look at um, the signs outside of shops and see the names of signs and I'm trying to put, how could I put the best two-letter words directly under that that would still form a word like in the time yes. that I'm driving by? Like so I see Scrabble solutions yes. everywhere. I see yeah. them pop out or as a cyclist I see cambers on roads and go yeah that'd be really good to descend down here or that'd be tough like so that's that's what I'm, i guess that's what i'm asking yeah do I you see I, I guess so i yeah i i try to find patterns in things and try to find um even patterns in behavior i, I do this weird thing where um i try <laughs> can't believe i'm admitting this so i i really like to read body language um and I, I like to kind of almost calibrate people's body language to if, if I know that they're upset and then I read their body language and I say, okay, well, this is, this is what they're doing when they're, I know that they're upset. But, you know, sometimes it's ambiguous and you don't know and then go back to what you know and like, oh, well, they, well, their arms crossed and they're doing this. I guess that's all patterns. Like mm-hmm. maybe, that's, maybe that's part of it. <laughs> well, no, 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 that'd be great. You'd be a fantastic poker player. <laughs> Have you, have you played poker before? Uh, I've, I've played very amateur with my family. I don't think I have a very good poker face. My, my mum says I show you all my expressions. But you'd be able to work out the odds of, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah. the gamble quite quite well. <laughs> Maybe, like, yeah. <laughs> like if it's if, if it's math. Like I've one of the best poker players I ever met, he was just all he was was numbers. Yeah. That's all he was. Actually, a few of my friends who studied mathematics ended up being professional poker players. Um, and and I've suggested it to the group a group of my friends who you know who aren't mathematicians to try to get a poker game going you know once a week just a social thing and everyone's like uh uh-uh, uh no not with you. I'm like I actually can't play this is not fair but it'll it'll take you yeah. it's like Connect Four you're the, you're one of those people that can win it in forty one moves aren't you yeah you know how to do it yeah I've still got to learn how to do that really... I'll send you an article actually I've got an article on how to um, I read an article, I should say, that I, that had to win a lot of common games like that, including right. coin tossing, t- coin tossing, yeah, coin tossing. Wow. Uh, yeah. Lisa, that's what. It, once you start getting into probabilities and yeah, and things I'll, like that, I'll tell you a good one. Yeah. So, um, if if someone else is tossing a coin, uh, that someone's actually done this study on this. It if they start off with heads, there's 51 percent chance of it landing on heads again. So you think it's 50-50 chance, heads or tails, but there's actually a 51% chance of it landing on the same um, face that it's facing before it's tossed. So uh, there you go. So, uh, so when I'm the quarterback for the New York Giants and we're tossing for the Super Bowl kickoff, <laughs> yeah. if I see the commemorative coin is on yes. heads, yes. I'll pick heads, yes. give yeah. myself that 1% lead. Yeah, absolutely. Copy that. Yeah. That's a bit exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you grew up in a in a family that was obviously that, that was academic. Um, so I asked, you know, when did you know you were different from other kids? But when did you know your family was different from 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 other kids? Not, not not just that you were an immigrant family, but that your parents kind of saw the world differently. Or, um, you know, like I, I don't think that we are. No. Um, it's 
I don't know. Are we? I don't know. I, I think a lot of my friends' parents have had, um, have gone to university, for example, or, um, it's, it's funny. I've, I've never got a sense. I've never felt that I was different except when, um, I landed letters and numbers and then everyone, which everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you like maths? I'm like, well, yeah, doesn't everyone? <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, you, let's talk about that because you've obviously had to face a lot of um, preconceptions about who you are and, and, and what you are. Yeah. Not only from where you came from, but, you know, what you're good at. Yeah. It's, uh, it was yeah. It's it's been quite a journey. I'm still I'm still kind of making sense of things who I am. And yeah. Was it uh, just a complete sausage party at university? Were you like the only girl there? Um, they're all yeah. There there were. The, yep. Yes. Um, oh. I was in the minority definitely. Um, there's no denying that. But the the interesting thing is actually because I I did my uh, degree in maths and then I went on to do. Um, an honours degree, which is kind of a, a, a tag along year that you do additional studies. And in that year, and you have to get grades to get in. Mm-hmm. And in that year. Um, this is with the maths and application in biology. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think maybe 90% of them were girls. Huh. Yeah. So there you go. Must girls are smart. Nice. Yeah. Well, I know girls are smart. <laughs> of course girls are smart. Yeah. However, we have this, it's pushed upon us by whatever cultural memes there are mm. that, you know, the the pretty girls aren't smart. And it's kind of shitty because it doesn't replicate the truth. It doesn't replicate the reality. Yeah. And that, that kind of bothers me. Yeah. But it must be terrible for you to be walking around having everyone assume that you're not who you are or where you are because of your brains. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't like... I don't, I've never really, I've never thought of myself as, as like prettier than any, like, I don't know. I, I just never really gave it any consideration. Um, like, especially in, in, at university, it wasn't like, it wasn't until letters and numbers that I'm like, why, why am I getting all this like attention? I don't, oh. yeah. Right. I well, know. I guess if you've been, you know, at uni, just being academic the whole time. Yeah. I think I'm pretty dacky as well. <laughs> Don't worry. It's appealing. Dag is, a, Dag is appealing. Um, I was fascinated. I was reading about you and I was fascinated that you went to point out that it wasn't until 1950 that women were admitted into Harvard and Princeton physics and Yeah, I think, ni- was it 1950 or 19... Um, 70 is when they allowed a, a, oh. a professor on the board yes. or on the, in the faculty. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's crazy, yeah. But 1950? This is in our recent history. Like this, this is... My mum was alive. Do you know... <laughs> Do you know, like they, uh, a century ago, they thought that women didn't have the uh, ability to think mathematically, and that um, they're crazy. Like I, I read online. I, I mean, I don't know how much you can believe what you read online, but I, I heard that there are theories that it would shrink your ovaries if you thought too much, or um, that you were not marriage material if you studied maths. That kind of thing, which is absurd. It's so hilarious, and it is hilarious. But the thing is that it wasn't that long ago that society thought this and it still, I think, is in the undertow of our society. In the States, the women haven't had the vote for 100 years yet. Yeah. Still. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's like it it seems so absurd but that kind of thing I think has 
has a, a stain on society that takes a while to, um, I guess, overcome. I wonder if World War II hadn't happened and women had to enter the workforce. I wonder if the ability of women to advance academically Maybe. would have would have been still where it was. That's a good thought. Yeah, I don't know. Because suddenly, the, you know, all the physicists and engineers were away. Yeah. Building bridges in in <laughs> Europe. Yeah. And you know, designing evacuations from Dunkirk, and yet we still need people to design stuff and yeah, build stuff. Absolutely. So that's kind of you know. It's, it is a good thought. But you know, know, but some that, that that's something like that really blew me away that that she said that Harvard and Princeton and mm. themselves these two massive Ivy League schools yeah. that define so much of our world's thinking. Yeah. Uh, certainly in business, absolutely in business, absolutely. Um, like the world's run by HBS graduates, it really is. Yeah. And they're all tall and good looking. That's the weirdest part. Yes. They really are. What's with that? I think it, that's just how they breed them. That's, good that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I, I've spent a bit of time with Wall Street guys and yeah. they're all ex-Ivy League and they're all, they were all a quarterback. They were, they were the best looking guy at their school. Yeah. They're all over six foot three. It's just, it's you know, yeah, it's this, I think there's a thing in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Allies, where he talks about oh. that they just have the the, pri- the privilege, the whole lives. Yes. And yeah. they just, it just snowballs. Yeah. And then, of course, they end up, and at Harvard, Harvard Business School, they design the program so that you have to be this outgoing go-getter from day dot. And if you're a recluse at uh, Harvard Business School, good luck to you. Yeah. If you're an introvert, you people, introverts, always, pretty much always drop out of Harvard Business School if they get accepted. It's, yeah. It's, so they just can't handle there's, it. There's something icky about that, isn't there? Well, yeah, these are the people that are running the biggest companies in the world. Yikes. Yeah. yeah where were we? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> have you come up against discrimination as, you know, in your career? Um, I think not not overtly. You asked me that question and I can't think of one particular instance. Well, that's that I have. That's really good. Um I'm also quite outspoken, so if I if I feel like something's un, unjust, <laughs> unjust, yeah, yeah. It, um, I have a tendency to speak out. So good. maybe 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 people know this about me. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's good. Good idea. <laughs> what are the assumptions that people mostly make about you, though? Um, pre letters and numbers or post letters and numbers? Let's go pre. Pre. And then post. We'll do both. Um. Assumptions that people make about when you say this is what I do. Ah, oh, yes. People are usually shocked, which shocks me. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Um, people uh, don't understand why I would choose to study it. I think, hmm. which, which to me is like it's it's one of the it's the subject that's so rich in history. It's part of our society. It dates back so. Like, why wouldn't you want to? Why don't you want to learn it? It's you know it, it originated from philosophy. It's the, it's the way that we think. It always intrigues me. But um, post letters and numbers. I think I think people think I'm super smart, and I I feel like I'm pretty normal. It's just that I have an interest in maths, and I don't think that that necessarily makes me smart. It just means that I have an interest. I I, I don't think that I'm smarter than anyone else. Maybe it's the way I feel when I think about what you do for a living. I feel you are able to conceive on such a massive scale something that confounded me when I was 14. Therefore, you're obviously way more clever than me. See, I, I think it's I dedicated time to it. Yeah. I 
feel the same way about music, for example. I can't, I tried, I picked up a guitar about two years ago and, and I'm trying to teach myself and it's really hard. <laughs> and I think it's amazing people who can play instruments really well. Um, and I think it's, it, it's quite analogous that, you know, you're a genius in the same way at, at music in the same way that I'm a genius at mathematics. Do you know what I mean? I had to stop playing because I couldn't write songs. I was good. I was, and, and here's the thing, you know, and I, I've said this before, I was, it, it wasn't until I started doing like the second or third season of Idol that I realised why I was, I was really good. In fact, I was excellent. I was an amazing bass player. Yeah. And I was a great singer, but I wasn't exceptional. Yeah. And that's the difference. I, see, I, I feel like I'm not necessarily exceptional. Oh, I'm definitely not exceptional at mathematics. I mean, have you... I've, I've met some people who are just standouts. Do you know what I mean? Like just brilliant. And I am nowhere near their league. Um, but I'm in a unique position to be able to be, I guess, want of a, of a better word, spokesperson. Mm. Um, I was I was given this opportunity to to be on Letters and Numbers and, and I think, you know, I'm. it's a privilege to be able to represent... Um, the, the discipline so yeah so what do you say when you go and speak to to young women what do you say to them about academia or perhaps even mathematics um I've, i my main message is hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Don't, don't rule anything out because you think you're supposed to be doing stuff or because... As in often people enjoy mathematics but they don't think that they, they're supposed to be a, a doctor or a lawyer or something that's constructed in society. And um, if you like something, pursue it. It might turn into a passion. It might um, do something that you like. So if you like maths and so often girls actually do like mathematics, don't give it up. It's silly too. <laughs> but how do you how do you keep it up outside of high school if you don't follow it into university? Um, well, I I guess it depends on who I'm talking to. Am I am I talking to girls who are good at mathematics and and they want to find a career um, that maybe they'll be able to use it in the future? That's a different message to um, someone who has just a general interest and which means you know read a lot of books. Reading reading <laughs> <laughs> reading is important. So we we. We alluded to this at the start of the conversation, but how has your de- in-depth knowledge and understanding and conceptualization of mathematics and then the patterns that you observe, for example, the Fibonacci sequence, when you see that in nature, when you see that replicated 
in the relationship between and in the construction of biological organisms. How has that affected your spirituality or your, your spiritual view of the world? Uh, it's a good question. I think I've had, I've had this discussion with so many people, um, friends of mine who are very religious and friends of mine who, who aren't. Um, to me, I feel like I don't, uh, I, I, I don't feel like I'm particularly spiritual. Um, and to me, I feel like, I guess, maths and science explains the world around me or as, as much as it can. Um, it doesn't, obviously doesn't explain everything, but just because we can't explain it with science, maybe it means that we can't, we can't wrap our head around it. Like our human mind is incapable of understanding things, some things. Mm. So I don't know, I, I guess for me, religion doesn't gel, but I can see a lot of good that it brings out in other people. So I think it's, it's important to make people, let people make up their own mind. What about when you look up into the sky and you see like the, the cirrocumulus clouds mm. and then you look down at your feet in the shore break and you see that the sand yeah. has formed exactly the yeah. same way. That's awesome. Do you have a reverence for the thing that makes that happen? Um, <laughs> maybe the laws of physics. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. I think I, I, you know what I love? I love looking up the stars and getting a sense of how absolutely insignificant I am. I am just a speck on a speck on a speck and really nothing, nothing, I don't know, so existential and nothing really matters. And I, I don't know, I find comfort in that. I don't, I don't really matter. <laughs> Have you ever been out back? No, never. Oh, oh, actually, no. I have been to. I've got a, a good friend who lives in Central New South Wales, but not not outback, outback. Once you go out, well, I've I've stood in, uh, I've stood in, in Longreach. Uh, it's not exactly outback, but it's out. Yeah. And I, it was the first time in my life I was sixteen, and I saw the Milky Way from horizon to horizon. Yeah. Never seen it before like that. Wow. And I, I found myself whispering to the guy next to me, because I felt so tiny. Yes. I felt like this gigantic thing. Yeah was there and I am itty bitty. Yeah. Itty bitty. It's, I, I, so I think it might overwhelm some people, but I just love that feeling. I, I, I think it really puts you in your place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, when, when people ask what in my life I've had to take a spiritual path, um, yeah, definitely through sobriety and you're asked to find a, a God of your own understanding. Mm. And for me, it's always been that. The thing that makes the clouds look the same as the sand is the same as the snow. Yeah. That universal law that all these particles and all these atoms abide by. Yeah. Clearly my body, I have to abide by. I'm not exempt from these laws. They yeah. rule me just as much. The yeah. cell division that happens in my own body. That's something to be respected. That's yeah. something to be like, I'm not bigger than that. <laughs> That's that, pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's in the it's, true sense of the word. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And I, I, it's. I've got to find it because it really is. I read that quote and it really bothered me. It was like something in that description that Einstein wrote. That he said, oh, like in, in the in the incredible majesty of the you know natural world around me, it is in this that I see God. Mm. That was after he came to the states. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? Go on holiday. You're in America. <laughs> Hang on. What Hitler's in? What? I'm not going home ever again. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy. <laughs> tough, tough. So yeah. when, speaking of the ocean, you do like the ocean. What's yeah. your relationship with the ocean? I love the ocean. Um, I'm a very amateur surfer. <laughs> Me too. It's all right. Yeah. I, uh, there's, I guess there's probably this closest, close, closest to spirituality as I get. 
Why? Um, Can you explain that? A lot of people don't get it. Yeah, it's and it's it's so difficult to explain. Um, and it sounds a little bit wanky, but you know, when you're out in the water and you're you're not in your element, you know, you're you're in someone else's habitat, marine life, and you're at the mercy of everything that it has to throw on at you. And you're borrowing some of its energy to, you know, slide down the, the face of the wave. I think I, it's just so special. It's so um, humbling, I guess. And it really focuses the mind as well. I, I've got a really, I guess, overactive mind and sometimes you just need to quieten it down. So you go in the water and all, all your efforts are just catching that one wave and, and making sure that, you know, you, you're, you're sliding down it. <laughs> You sit there thinking about the, the frequency and speed of the waves yeah. and stuff like that. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, and I'm just like, stop it, Lily. <laughs> this is not what it's about. <laughs> you mentioned having a, a, an overactive mind. Does it ever get out of control? Um, sometimes when I learn something new, actually uh, at uni, if I remember studying for exams or when I was writing my thesis and particularly if I have a really long day and a really long night and and I've been thinking about maths concepts. I cannot sleep. I, I literally close my eyes and I, I see um, numbers and, and letters everywhere, it, like a computer. It, it's really bizarre. So like I a have Neo to, in the Matrix. Yeah, kind of. It's really weird. Maybe I think. <laughs> um, and I try to solve equations in my head when I was trying to sleep. So I have to watch a bit of telly or something like that before I go to bed. Um, and oh, another weird thing. Whenever I'm stressed, this is really unrelated. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but um, whenever I'm stressed, I have dreams about wild animals, like oh. without exception. And it's all, it's a it's a different animal each time, but it's that same feeling. Yeah, I don't know how we got here, but no, no, <laughs> that's a, look. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a mathematical explanation or a Maybe. scientific explanation. Yeah. Well, I guess it's that that feeling of um, being not in control because I guess being in the wild. Well, that's what maths is really, isn't it? Maths is very much a, a it's a truth at yeah, the end of it, isn't it? it? Is there a comfort in that? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But there's also theories in maths that say, you know, there's no, there's no ultimate, there's no absolute truth. So <laughs> like there are some theories in maths that really mess with your mind. Um, but it's interesting to think about, I think. You drive you, yourself you, crazy. You're clearly you're clearly drawn to the place where maths and philosophy kind of intersect. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, they 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 stemmed from the same discipline, mm -hmm. and and they kind of branched off eventually. But it's they're both kind of trying to make sense of the world, really. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why guys like maths so much? Because it's a, I know it's fifteen because it's fifteen. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> It's a certainty. Yeah. So that's how that's how much it is. Absolute certainty. But yeah. it's not really. I mean, what is 15? <laughs> yeah. <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> so what do you say? Um, on the northern beaches mainly. I I used to work in Manly actually and I used to get to surf before work and at lunchtime and then after work and it was the dream. But um, now that I've moved over to Piedmont, I have to face the, the crowds on the weekend, unfortunately. But I try to do a, a trip overseas once a year. A surfing um, trip? Yeah. So um, I've been to the 
Maldives or Maldives a couple of times into Fiji. Um, and then I do every so often trips up the coast. I should introduce you to my friend Eski. She's a very, very interesting woman. She, I did a podcast with her. Oh. She, um, ex-pro surfer and oh, right. she's a PhD marine biologist. Wow. Yeah. Who used, she's the first woman to ever, she brought surfing to Iran. Wow. She went and taught women how to surf in the Caspian Sea. I need to meet this lady. She's Irish. She's amazing. She sounds she's in, amazing. She's in Bali right now doing a summit about um, how surfers can bring social good. Like she's basically trying to scale that model of, you know, empowering these women in these, mm. so, in these very, very strict societies where women have little to no rights compared to, uh, you know, Western society. Yeah. And empowering them through surfing. surfing. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. There are, there are a few good groups that come out of surfing like that. Mm. Um, the, I, I don't know if you've heard of One Wave before um, where they every Friday they go out and fluoro. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. One Wave is all it takes. Yeah. Yeah, they do fluoro Friday. To yeah. address um, or to, to um, I guess, highlight um, depression or yeah. Um, mental illness. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with them. If you're Even when I was at my most depressed, even when I was, when I was at my darkest, if I'd been surfing, mm. yeah, it would have been a good day yeah even for that just that 10 seconds yeah. you're on the wave and and also being out with your mates as well and yeah, yeah it, does, it does a lot of good yeah well it's good that you get you, you go and get adventuring yeah adventuring well, is good i love adventures yeah i love all sorts of adventures yeah <laughs> they're good you did some work with the csiro at one point didn't you yeah that was for my honors project yeah um so that was in, in conjunction that i won a, a scholarship um, with them in conjunction with UTS and I was looking at pollution around the Great Barrier Reef and mm. tried to model um, the pollutants that run off, off the river out into the estuary. The estuaries are kind of the um, nurseries of the ocean so it's so super important to protect them. So I tried to do some mathematical modelling around that. That could be pretty exciting but also pretty depressing work, can't it? Yeah, it's – I mean it's – I think it's exciting to think that maybe some work or some kind of um, element of the work may go towards helping. I think that's really important with work in general. That's when you get most satisfaction. When I get most satisfaction. When something aligns with... Your beliefs maybe. Yeah. 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 So protecting the environment is something that I'm, I'm quite passionate about. So the company that I worked for previously is an environmental consulting firm and I was working there as a, as a mathematician or numbers and <laughs> all things analytics mm -hmm. and that was hugely satisfying. So why, why environmental sustainability and not why aren't you out, you know, creating a new gambling algorithm for the Queen of the Nile pokey <laughs> machine and just creating a new, you know, yeah. poker gambling thing and just making jillions? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, that's… Because um, that's what mathematicians go and do. Stanford yeah. grads go and make gambling machines and then yeah. sell the companies and sit around on massive beds made of money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a money bed. Um got a tiny Yet. room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd, 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 um, for me personally, I'd, I'd take greater satisfaction in, um, I guess, working towards something that I believe in, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And when did the environmental thing come into your life? Probably around the same time as when surfing came into my life, to be honest. It marries quite well. Um, it's 
you know, you're, you're so it's a bit cliche and, and, and a bit, <laughs> but it's true. You're like at one with nature, you're out there, you're, you're in it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a part of this system. I've got to protect it. I'm not some kind of external, um, higher being that has nothing to do with the environment. I am, I am in it. I am a, a small part. I'm a small, small cog in it and I need to protect it. But at scale, we are a very big cog. Yes, at scale. That's right. Absolutely. With 7 billion of us. Absolutely. We are a mighty cog. Absolutely. It's <laughs> so, grinding gears right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's scary. And, I mean, UN projections are um, scary as well. We're going to, I think, double in population over the next, don't quote me in these statistics, but I think over the next 20 years or so. So it's it's quite scary. It's, it's scary stuff we're, and we're not doing enough. So as a mathematician, when you look at statistics like that, when you look at numbers with mm. your brain of certainty, yeah, how do you sleep? Because I'm terrified to even just think about the concept of it, let alone the realities of it, but you'd be able to see them so precisely. Well, yeah, I mean, I, there are some great, great scientists who are doing amazing work and I think it should be acknowledged more you know I my, my pet peeve is when people say I don't believe in global warming or something like that you know it's not it's not a belief you don't you, you don't believe in medicine you don't believe in it's it you know it, you have certain experts to um give you advice and this is the advice that they're giving so it doesn't make sense not to follow it Dr Carl's great line was how can you not except the science of metallurgy <laughs> that makes the car that you drive in, yes. yet not except the science of climate change. Yes. They're the same scientific method that has proven both to be true. Yes. <laughs> you can't pick and choose. You know, you can't. And there's no, there's no, belief doesn't come into it. No. So that, that baffles me. But What do you do when you're baffled like that by people? Um... Because ultimately we have to speak to these yeah. folks because we need to get everybody over the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I align yourself with with good people, support good people who are doing good things and um, have conversations, I think. I think it's important to have these conversations and um, challenged and let, let yourself be challenged. It's all about education at the end of the day. It's all about me saving this file. Let me let me roll. Okay, so I'm rolling again, thankfully. So um, we didn't. That's good. All right. We're good. Okay. So yes. Um, sorry, you asked me about America, yes. and you asked me about um, my thoughts of America, and I'm just saying <laughs> that I'm finding it more and more full on to get there, especially when it comes to things like um, gun control, marriage equality, women's rights, women's healthcare rights. Mm. Um, states making it illegal for women to access um, safe abortion if they choose, um, homophobia. Um, it's just... So these are all have been in your experiences? Have you kind of experienced this directly? Well, I live in California, man. So, yeah, yeah. you know, but you go to other parts of the states and they, boy, howdy, they absolutely... I'm like, oh, no, 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 this is how it is. no, no. Kind of, you know, I, I there's a giant amount of people over there who have, you know, as they have here, you know, every society has people who perhaps don't have the most educated outlook on the world. Mm. However, over there they've got guns. 
Yeah, scary. That's so scary. Lots of guns. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not. Can't even imagine. <laughs> no. Say, I mean, I disagree with a lot of things that John Howard did. I will absolutely applaud him with a standing ovation for doing what he did after the Port Arthur massacre. Mm. For him, if you go and look at the footage, you'll see him. He's standing there. He's basically getting shouted at by a crew of maybe 2,000, 3,000 angry gun-owning right-wing, you know, angry, frightened, Indonesia's going to invade us kind of guys. And he's screaming at them going, "You, we have to do this and we have to do this now. We need to do this. This is what we have to do. Yeah. And they fucking did it. They did it. Amazing. And there hasn't been a single mass shooting since. Yeah. But in the States, it just comes every other week. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's strange that things don't change. Do you know what I mean? But your vibe, I think, is it's not. I think education is absolutely yeah. key and an easier, cheaper access to education. Mm. Um, how do you see it coming? Like now that everyone's got it, like you can. There's, you know, companies in India making touchscreen devices for 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, the, the massive, you know, abundance of connected devices. How do you see education working that way? And you seem excited by this. Yeah, this is, I think it's great news. I mean, the amount of um, free content that you have on the internet, obviously, and then uh, free online universities. And it means that so many more people have access to this and so many people can educate themselves and and even get degrees from from their living rooms and um it's it, hopefully well it can be revolutionary um but whether or not people are willing to spend their time learning that kind of thing i saw this um meme on on facebook today and now i'm not, not going to be able to recite it properly but um there was a column with things that we should be learning or should we should be reading about and, and things that we are reading about and you know the lists are quite different what we are reading about are you know who gets married to who and who gets divorced to who and things that are really trivial and really are none of people's business they're personal things that you really should you shouldn't involve yourself in, in things like that and then on the other list is bees are dying by the uh, millions, um, bats are dying by the thousands, uh, climate change, um, just think things that are warning signs that, I mean, they weren't all related to the environment, but so whether or not people can kind of steal themselves away from trivial content to read things that matter. If we can get the disappearance and massive hive failure of bees to give you the same dopamine squirt that a Facebook <laughs> like gives you, yes. we might be all right. Yeah. Why can't someone think of that? <laughs> Why can't someone I, think yeah, of that? Yeah, I think you just did. Because that's that's what it is. My my uh, doctor actually, he told me he told me this week there's a hack you can do on your iPhone mm. in the accessibility um, where if you triple tap it, it dims the screen. Oh. Because he's telling me that the blue light that we get from our phone screens yeah. um, triggers a dopamine squirt. And so I'm actually becoming addicted to the, the that's why I'm on my phone all the time. So yeah. I'm addicted to the blue light. I think the, I am too. I'm gonna dopamine. try that. Yeah. So I I wonder, you know, if we all, if all our phones went off. Yes. How much would get done? Yes. You know. Do you know what we should do? Just a day where no one uses their phone, a day month or something. That'd be amazing. That'd be, that would be 
Um, Remember like the, the olden days where people said they're going to yeah. meet at a particular time and they actually did. Yeah, I, did. I remember it well. At festivals, 50,000 people. Still <laughs> yeah. found my friends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ido Leffler, who was on the show a few weeks ago, talked about having a tech Sabbath. So because he's, he's a Israeli, he's a yeah. Jewish guy. Yeah. So when Shabbat kicks in on Friday afternoon at sunset yeah. to when Shabbat lifts at sunset, sunset on Saturday, no phone, Yeah. no email. I'd be on board Tech Sabbath. Yeah. Dig it once a week. Yes. I think it probably would be good for the soul. I, I think as well, like the idea that I haven't felt bored in about 15, maybe 20 years. Remember feeling bored? Oh, yeah, I do as a kid. Yeah. As a kid? Remember yeah, going, yeah, yeah. this summer holiday is the worst. Yes. <laughs> there is nothing to do. <laughs> and being actually, now there's no boredom. No. Boredom pushes you to go, what am I going to do? I'm going to do something. I'm going to go and play a game of Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. I'm going to go yeah. ride my bicycle. I'm going to go do something. It's a great point. But if I pick up a pad and I've got some excellently engineered by a very smart mathematician <laughs> um, habit loop forming um, game yeah. like Candy Crush, which is yeah. one of the perfectly most insidiously designed things. Yes, it's addictive. Designed to be so. Yes. Designed I, to be so. So I am, I am pro- look, me and other mathematicians are the problem and I'm, <laughs> and I'm trying to be the solution as well. I think I'm just very confused. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk about that. You went, you went on, a, on, a, on a game show that had enormous success and then went away yes. because of the broadcasting situation in our country. Yeah. You were on a, a SBS, which is one of the um, uh, government subsidised yes. networks and it was a show called Letters and Numbers where you were solving enormously difficult maths puzzles uh, on telly. Yeah. And the other bloke was solving solving enormously difficult word puzzles. Yeah. And people love the shit out of it. In fact, they're rerunning it now at the moment, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's on, yeah. I think, on uh, 5.30. Yeah. Weeknights at the moment. Um, yeah, it has a, it has a, a quite a dedicated following, which is which is really nice. It's How lovely. did they find you? <laughs> I don't know. I was at the right. You know, I do know this is really embarrassing, actually. So, at the um, right before honors, I went down to Melbourne to attend for pretty much a maths camp <laughs> for um, u- uh, uni students all around Australia. Um, PhD in honours students and uh, I wanted to do a subject in particular and I met a guy there his name is Lashi great character just I I, I can't you've got I like you've got to meet him <laughs> he's he's crazy but he's a brilliant mathematician and really extroverted and he had kind of tenuous connections with a cut with a um, casting agent and one day after the the maths camp or the um the yeah, maths camp. He gives me a call and he's like, uh, SBS looking for a girl with a professional level of maths. Can I give them your name? What 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 is this? I didn't even I, I didn't even know what it could be. I'm like, is it a kids' show? Is it a I don't know what it is. So I I'm like, I don't really have anything to lose. I just threw my name in the hat and um a few weeks later got the phone call, went in for the first audition and I had to stand up in front of a, a camera and I think the director was there and the producer and there were a few other high, very intimidating people in the room and I had to talk about myself and, and then do a piece to camera and then solve the maths question to the camera. And mind you, I've never done anything like this before. I've never done any drama. I've never done anything that resembles this. And then, like, for some reason I get called back. I don't know how. And I go into the second audition and this time it's with 
I guess, testing on-screen chemistry with five different hosts. But it was me and um, this other girl called Tatiana who, who were they were also testing. She obviously made it through. And I walk in and just my heart sunk. She was this gorgeous, leggy, blonde. Um, she'd done Bond commercials and she, she'd, she'd had experience. She was um, just ab- stunning, absolutely stunning. And... I remember talking to the makeup artist who was, um, that was the very first time I got my hair and makeup done, which is very special. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, I just have no chance. And the makeup artist is like, oh, don't, don't have that attitude. Just, you know, go in and give it a shot. And, Most um, important person on set, man. Makeup yeah, artists, absolutely. they really are. Yeah, they you, really are. Yeah, that's your partner, isn't it? Yeah, but like, yeah. honestly, just as an aside, I know a director who says when he's, produ- he's a director-producer, when he is putting a film together, mm. before he's cast his DOP, before he's cast his first actor, yes. he gets his makeup. Really? People sort it. Yeah. I said, why do you do that? He says, makeup are the most important people on set. They get my talent three hours before I get them. If that talent's had a shitty night or a bad day or yep. whatever, they are responsible for getting them into a, a place that I can work with them by yeah. the time they step on the set. Makeup are... Absolutely. They, the, the psychology background of makeup artists yes. and their ability to put people at ease, yeah. in my mind and in my experience, and certainly with um, this guy's experience, is far and above their ability to, to do a hair and makeup job. Yeah. It's how they are, the personality that changes people's days I, on set. I could not agree more. Yeah. And actually, fast track a couple of years when I'm you know deep into letters and numbers, they became like a family to mm. me because I... I'd always been a Sydney girl, but I was filming down in Melbourne. I didn't know anyone. And they kind of, they took me in and I, I went over to their house and, and um, you know, had lunch with their families and they were just, and, and we still keep in contact. It's a very They're intimate just, job. Yeah, it is. It's a very intimate job having someone touching your face for a few hours. Yes, yeah. And, it it, is. and for a, a few hours of that day, it's mm. their face and their hair. So if I, if I touch it, if I touch their hair or their makeup, I'm in big trouble. And they're in your personal space. Yes. They're right in there that we wouldn't let anybody else in yeah. if we didn't know them intimately. Absolutely. So, yeah. So. And they, you know, you, you share the most personal things with them as well. Um, yep. I could not agree with you more. But anyway, I, I only had met this makeup artist for two minutes and she was already just... Doing her job. She was, she was amazing. <laughs> And um, I, I think it, in the end, Tatiana had, didn't have a maths degree. She had a business degree. So Aha! pipped her to the post on that one. So um, Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was unlike anything that I've ever done and maybe ever will do. Um, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you never know, I guess. But it, Did it get you thinking about game shows? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it far more than I thought I did. Although the first couple of weeks it was daunting. I remember the first. So I have to solve these maths questions um, on the spot. And the first couple of episodes I had a bit of a freeze because it's not there's, – there's a live studio audience but there's also um, 30 crew members and, and mm. there's the cast and the, the producers and the directors and there are heaps of people in the room and all this pressure to do something that I've been doing pretty much all my life but somehow – you get a brain freeze and, and it's really embarrassing. I, I think after the, the third time, I think, um, of getting a or, or not doing a good job, um, I just burst out crying and I had to run off stage and the, the director came after me and he's like, it's okay. And I'm just like, it's just so hard. <laughs> but then it, like, and then you get used to it and then it becomes a really familiar surrounding. And so 
the studio becomes your home. You're there for so many hours a day and the the crew are like you become part of yeah. your family, you know, like you, because you see them so many, so many hours a day yeah. and it becomes a very secure environment. And yeah, it's very, and it's also very collective, even though you're the only one that can do what you can do on set, you can't do it without the lighting guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's such you, a collective job. Absolutely. It's yeah. Really nice. Every, yeah. It's, it's quite like, has quite a community feel to it, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's like, Hey, we're all in it together. If, if we're running late, we're all in it together. Everyone's tired. Yeah. Yeah, it's if awesome. we're going in a turnaround, we're all going in a turnaround together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've got a 4.30 start tomorrow morning, speaking of which. Yikes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but hey, look, it's all right. I don't dig ditches. <laughs> yeah. This is my job, man. I, yeah. I love it. But if you have, have you ever thought about like designing game shows or creating game shows? Um, I have actually. I have. And I'd maybe like more along the lines of letters and numbers intellectual. I'd love to do stuff with kids maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we should maybe. talk. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I've got, a, I've got a game show in development in the States. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Done. Oh, yeah, let's it's Q&A. Yeah. It's Q&A, but the math yeah. stuff I think is, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm, I'm particularly with the, you know, working out the, the, the probabilities of things because what you need to be able to do is tell the network, we're going to offer a million dollars. Here's the simplest way to do that, but here's why the million isn't going to go off every night. Yeah. So you need to design a game that looks like who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, you know, That's a perfect example. Yeah. It looks like it's super easy. Yes. You know, I just have to answer 10 questions. That's all I've got to do. But it's enormously difficult yes. to get it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely work on the probabilities. Yeah, well, well yeah. but it's designing a game yeah, that yeah. is still enough of a game. Yes. And It's tricky. It's, yeah. And, and, that's, and you know what? The letters and numbers format has, has been running for 40 years. So it originated in France. Uh-huh been it's i think one of i think if not one of the longest running show in france um it's called the de, de chiffre de lettres but then you went on to make another show you went on to make a show all, yeah. all of it we spoke about food earlier on yes you got to do destination flavor oh, that must have been good. what an opportunity yeah that was um a food and travel show and I, I was um hosting the show with adam liao and um another sbs presenter who's also a doctor who's also a dancer amazing girl Renee Lim and basically it was it was a food show but it was more of of the the story of the people who are producing this food and why they're producing it and and the journey of that food and it's all about people's I guess people's passion for um particular Mm. products or services right but still as a as a mathematician you were able to just be there what you weren't there obviously because you weren't a mathematician no no i wasn't yeah i wasn't there as as in in my mathematician capacity i was was there as a a human yeah well no (laughs) yeah 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 as an adventure loving (laughs) person who enjoys food yeah different perspective on the world absolutely yeah so that must have been fun to stretch your uh yeah it was tricky actually because i did so i did letters and numbers filming for for a few years we ended up doing 450 episodes and that was it was paid per episode per season (laughs) I'd, I can't even remember, but yeah. I you can't. would remember if it was per rep. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's something really formulaic about being in a studio and mm. especially, I mean, the formula of letters and numbers is it's always the same. So being out on the field was completely different and um, so many more variables, if you like, if you want to think about it mathematically. Mm. So many different things that you have to take into account and um, – different personalities that you're meeting and, and how is it that you can make other people comfortable um, 
and how is it that they're going to, um, yeah, what's the best way to get them to share with you the the love of the food or the the journey that they, they've taken with you? So that was a completely different set of skills and something that I had to learn on the spot a lot of the time, I think. Yeah. Um, it was, I'm very, very grateful for that experience, I think. Yeah. All, all this, your experience though in the, in the, in the broadcasting world. Yeah. Does that now inform what you do at Fairfax? No, I don't think no? so. No, it's pure math stuff yeah. at Fairfax. Yeah, it's yeah, it's quite removed. It's it's all like model building and oh, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we both have to go have dinner. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm hungry. I'm sure you are too. <laughs> it's done. Uh, speaking about all that food talk before. Yeah. Um, so two more questions. Sure. When you think about education, and you said it's the answer to everything. What's your what's your wish for education? What's your wish for people's conception of education? Or how 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 do you wish that edu like I said before at the start of this, you said it wasn't my fault that I didn't get the maths and it wasn't the teacher's fault for not getting it to me. Mm. What's your wish uh, for the education of uh, the young people in this country? Um, I think first of all, read, <laughs> but know what you're reading about and who wrote it and why they wrote it and question everything and question your own thoughts. I I I believe this X, Y, and Z, but why do I believe them? And is there a possibility that it could be wrong? I think that's, that's, everyone should do that. That's a very scientific way of looking at things. You often look at things like how, how are people going to disprove this versus yes. I'm right because I think so. Yes. Yeah. You know, like our mate downstairs who does the bolt report is <laughs> like, this is exactly how it is because I say, <laughs> and that's it. You know, I think that's, that's a very dangerous stance to take because I, you know, I've been wrong so many times and how do I know I'm not wrong in this particular instance where I'm so convicted in my opinion, that kind of thing. But as someone whose basis is in the sciences, because you have such a trust in proven theorems and proven um, uh, hypotheses, you want to, you respect that, oh, so what I thought is no longer valid? Fine, yeah. I believe the new thing. Yes. And it doesn't even linger the old way of doing things. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's a journey and you've got to be willing to admit you're wrong. <laughs> a lot of people are so afraid to admit they're wrong. What happens yeah, when you admit you're wrong? Um, I think it shows that you're human <laughs> and that it's okay. Everyone's wrong. I'm always wrong. <laughs> but a lot of people are afraid to admit that. I think, I think it's important to get past that. Yeah? Yeah. What's on the other side of admitting that you're wrong? A lot of people are actually so scared that they may not be correct. They're going to hold on to their opinion even tighter. Yes. Uh, I think that leads to a lot of problems, particularly maybe social problems and um, lack of empathy and, and lack of compassion for other people and their opinions. And, um, yeah, not, not positive things that's, that's in my opinion. I think that you've got to be open to having other people challenge your opinions and um, be willing to challenge your own opinions. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It'll be fine. Just look at the stars. <laughs> Nothing really, matters. Yeah. Really small. You're really small. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, the final thing, which is a question I've started to ask people at the end of, I'm doing another show for Movember at the moment, which is really interesting. But I ask everyone at the end of that show, if you could pick up the phone, I know, no, back to phones. If you could pick up the phone and call yourself at the age of 18, what would you tell young Lily? I would, 
I would say don't sweat the small stuff. And it's so, it's so um, cliche, but it's true. I, I used to get myself in a bit of a, a tangle if I'm stressed about the smallest things. And it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. As long as you're kind to other people and um, compassionate and understanding, it'll be okay. <laughs> you don't want dreams. No, no. I do, I do like animals though. <laughs> They're nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bigger apex predators I tend to keep away from yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. admire from a distance. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't get close to hippos. I look at them. I've seen them. I'm over there, the hippos, yeah. but I'm not going to go and tap one. No. <laughs> no <sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for this. I'm very grateful that you took a, a journey to come over here and do this with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. Too. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to take your photo and then we'll both go to our respective places of food. Lovely. That was Lily Cerner. You can find her on Twitter, S-E-R-N-A-L-I-L-Y. It's her name backwards, Cerner Lily. Let her know that you heard her here. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If there's anything that you need through the week, just simply email me, send us your email at gmail.com. That's where you can find me. Um, and also, please, this week, do us a favor. Check out Movember Radio, an incredible episode this week with uh, a former SAS soldier, um, Robin Horsfall is his name. He uh, participated in the, well, in the operation that basically ended the siege of the Iranian embassy in London in 1980. Incredible violence, I'd like to say. Show Movember Radio is very much focused on, on men's health, and you know, a guy like that wants to talk about what it is for a person in the military to come back to civilian life. I, I listen, <laughs> yeah, he, he dropped some wisdom. So, anyway, I hope you have a good week, hope you have a safe week. Thanks so much for being here. Until I talk to you next time, be kind to each other, sleep well, and dream of beautiful things. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.